never say die! Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 177 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and uh, we're going to be talking about the anniversary of Wayne's World. And uh, why is that the then and we don't have a now? I blame the love guru. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, makes sense right it, there. Or or we could go to all the hilarious films recently released based on Saturday Night Live skits. Like, hey, Mariska Haggerty. I would, I would take the love guru over the cat in the hat. Like, the ladies' man. Oof. McGruber. I was going to say, McGruber is the closest thing. To something funny? To something funny. And it's one of only two movies since our cutoff that yeah. were even based. They gave up right around 2000. Yeah, like, Night did. at the Roxbury was awful. Right. They did Night at the Roxbury and Superstar back to back, and they're just like, maybe this just isn't working. And Pat, they did the Pat movie. Ooh, the Pat movie. Oh, that, that, that one I might did, be their lowest selling one ever, I think. You, you know who was a. Oh, I'll say, did you not know that uh, Pat was actually in uh, MacGruber? No, I did not. I have not seen MacGruber. Yeah. And do you know who was a, a cleanup writer on It's Just Pat? Quentin Tarantino. Huh. No joke. And you are correct. It had the lowest gross. So, yeah, there, there are multiple reasons why we had to stretch to something that isn't quite a direct correlation to Wayne's World this yeah. week. So that's movies that movies that have meatloaf in a cameo. <laughs> that's our felt, theme. We felt that it was appropriate to do Wayne's World right now, considering yeah. it's topical. Absolutely. Yeah. You should see all the stuff. The, the Stan Makita statue is up in Aurora right now. That means six more weeks of winter. It was either that or Pretty Woman's 25th anniversary. Well, if you'd like something to get you through six more weeks of winter. It's a giant Richard a... Gear statue. Uh, that's not where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tell people to tune into the great shows of the Podcast Collective. Uh, we have a uh, limited selection of those shows for you this week. I'm going to tell you about uh, No Hope for Humanity in One Day Radio. Tales from the Hard Side, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. I thought we weren't talking about In One Day Radio. <laughs> I never agreed to that. <laughs> yeah, we, we've decided that uh, listing off all 35 uh, shows in the network is a little a, a little egregious, I guess would be a good word. The plethora. Long. Thank you. I like egregious. <clears throat> so we're going to cut it down, and we're just going to throw some names out there every week. Yep. And one special one gets to be mentioned every week anyway. Aww. I'm not going to tell you which one. You have to figure that out yourself. It's a mystery. Is it the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour? No. <laughs> you just mentioned it. Yes. <laughs> he said it again. Your, he said it again. Plug. All right. So also, if you are hanging around at 12 noon on Saturdays, you can listen to this week's show on Geek Life Radio. and go on there, and it's streaming out there. Not live. So don't call us or anything. We won't be here. Well, Josh might. But By the way, I should I should clarify. We're, we're only doing that you know, to save time and, and everything. It's not anything against any of the... Right, other shows or anything, except for the this one. This is the only time we're going to explain it to save you because know, it won't save time if we explain it every single time. So, I'm going to explain it every single time. All right, well, there goes that. <laughs> I agree to nothing. <laughs> if you'd like to call us and agree to nothing, you can call us at seven zero eight now. Wrap that's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven. Josh is here to represent anarchy. Don't put me in that box. <laughs> We're talking about the podcast collective my way. <laughs> I represent nothing. It's like I don't know any of you anymore. <laughs> oh, Grandma Suitcase, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So, uh, yeah, also, if you uh, want to find our old stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, all fine podcast streaming sites. Choices. Choices. Yes. Uh, and we have a uh, small announcement about the uh, convention next week, yes. LodgeCon. Joel has ditched out on us. No. <laughs> no, Joel has... Joel has, has a, being gainfully employed, yeah. and me not being, I have a little bit more of a flexible schedule, and I will be replacing Joel. Yes. So the Joel, Lodge. We will, <laughs> so, yes, pa Patrick's excuse uh, of, I'm from Texas, we've rejected that. Yep. <laughs> so he's coming up. Is going to be at tag. I'm it. Yes, uh, I will be joining. It's actually in one in the in, in the wonderful coldness again. Woo! 
It's going to be even better out in the middle of uh, out in uh, Piatone with no buildings to stop that wind. It's 20 degrees right now. Bring an extra pair of socks for your hands. I was just about to say, I'm bringing all the socks I own. (laughs) So, yeah, so LodgeCon is going to be on uh, February 11th. Saturday starts at 7 a.m. to midnight. We will be there. Uh, it's on uh, 710 West West Street in Piatone, Illinois. Uh, you can go to LodgeCon, look it up, LodgeCon 2017 for more details. Prizes, there's a uh, dealer hall with free uh, admission. And apparently the uh, Geek Awakens has taken heart to the uh, Nemesis thing. Um, Nemesis. So apparently we're going to be playing games against each other. Oh, well, little do they know what they just got. Yeah. <laughs> I suge- I suggested um, Twister. Let's play Songburst. Yeah, what they got is you two guys, and a uh, fat Irishman is going to be three quarters in the bag. <laughs> so yeah, if that sounds like I'm a good time to, to you. Three quarters into a different bag. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be dead? <laughs> Get him a body bag. Yeah, us versus the Geek Awakens in party games. So what's that? What's the drawing? What again? Pictionary. Yes, shit like that. I guarantee you that our geek was awakened before they were even born. I woke, I woke my geek this morning just to get myself rolling. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, like I said before, LodgeCon, February eleventh, seven to midnight, Piatone, Illinois. See us there. And uh, now on to voicemails. Oh That's yeah, it. we got some listener feedback this week. All huh. right, so uh, we got a email from Tommy the Duck. Uh, he said that he's glad that we liked his wife's, wife's recital of the greatest movie line in the Tremors franchise. Oh, that's who that was. That's who that was. So mystery solved. Yes. So it was uh, Old Man Withers. It's Supernova the Yay. whole time. Ass blasters. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have to play. Guess who this is? He got fr- He got some podcasting friends to do this for us. We have to figure out who these people are. So here's Mark Marin. I'm going to go probably with a big no on that one. Let's see. What about this one? Who's this? Hey, ass blasters. Blast your own damn ass over here. The hell? <laughs> Are they trying to do my, my uh, uh, you know, John Travolta over here? That is you. Very good, Joel. That is you. Ass blasters. <laughs> Blast your own ass. Hey. I, don't, I don't think you get the, you get the game here. That's is it game. Justin? No, it's Joel. Oh, I you you explained that very poorly. Yeah, well, you shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, wait, I, wait, what? We were supposed to guess which of us they were impersonating. No, no, that was Joel. It wasn't me. I didn't say it. Then he said, "You didn't leave the message." Right. Okay. Oh, that's oh. what I'm saying. Joel was saying they were making fun of his impression of John Travolta. Yes. Oh, well, Whoever it says on here. But... We're supposed to guess who left the message, and my guess is Justin. I no. don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> We well, need an adult quickly. <laughs> Go get Sarah right now. <laughs> I got this. Ass blasters, blast your own damn ass. I'm saying it's Justin. That sounded like Justin. It, it, it's not Justin, but it's not Justin. Not I Justin. definitively say it is not Justin. That one was Mark Marin. Ass blasters, <laughs> blast your own damn ass. <laughs> that was Janice, aka Supernova One Eight Seven. Mrs. Or Duck. Janice, actually. Mrs. Duck. Mrs. Duck. Wait, oh, I got another one in here. Well, then who is it? Do you know? Well, Joel? it says Joel. Joel said he'd do one, but he could only if he could do it to uh, John Travolta. Is there another Joel? There better no. not I be. I am so fucking confused right now. <laughs> this is the worst game ever. I apologize for everything. <laughs> My answer key is completely wrong. <laughs> Can we start over, please? Okay, who, who, who is... No, no, I mean like episode one, Conan. Right. We need to start all over. This... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, I don't know hang what on. happened, but I'm very confused right now. All right, we'll see if that, you can guess who this Joel one is. Said that's not him. It's, I, but apparently there's more than one Joel in the world. Who knew? What? No, no, that makes no sense. What about this guy? There's only one Joel in my heart. Oh, I cannot say ass blasters in an American accent. <laughs> okay, that's killer. <laughs> that's definitely killer. <laughs> that, one, that one I got. Yeah. <laughs> I think Tommy's doing all of them except for the one that Janice did. But... No, it said Joel said he'd do one, but only if he could do it as John Travolta. And then Joel does that one. And then I'm assuming that was you because it... 
And but then, if, if it's not that our Joel, then there's another Joel in the world. And, and then the next line says, Pat did one, but he used his equipment from the earliest episodes. And I, Okay, he's impersonating podcasters he knows. I, I'm with Joel on this one. Is a, No! <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Joel uh, and Pat know whether they did one or not. But I'm. Does anyone else smell toast? Lucy, do you smell toast? I'm entirely not drunk enough for this. Either way, thank you very much. For that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for contributing. He contributed to death. It's so fucking tough time now. Hang on. Oh, yeah. It is past that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports hit your own spot. <laughs> <laughs> that was Mark Marin. <laughs> that was just our intro. We didn't even get to the tweet yet. What was <laughs> the hell is going on? I don't know. I'm going to blast my own ass out. <laughs> all right. So glad we saved all that time by not mentioning on the block. <laughs> <laughs> As we sneak them in the rest of the episode. <laughs> all right. February 14th, 1992, premiere of Wayne's World. <laughs> Music. All right, Chab. Excellent. Top songs of the day are I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred. <laughs> I knew I, I was 100%. <laughs> All right. I'm too lazy to take the caps off. Leave it. I love your smile. Shanice. <laughs> and, I can die in here. And Diamonds and Pearls by Prince and the NPG. <laughs> Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is what happens when you get them used to a certain set of grammar. <laughs> I'm going to be randomly capitalizing words in Joel's section of the tweet for the rest of our run, just so you guys know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. February 18th, Vince Neil leaves Motley Crue after 11 years as the band's lead singer to spend more time on his career as a racing car driver. And look how that turned out. How did that turn out? Now he's back with the band and about 30 pounds heavier. Yeah, I was going to say, he's back with Motley Crue. That's exactly how that huh. turned out. After he got off on that uh, manslaughter charge. Some community service, I think. So. All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in in the world is Wayne's World. Released this week, as already mentioned. Might not be the number one movie in the world. Might just be the U.S. I was editorializing. The opinions of Josh do not represent the opinions of 40 goes not 40. Ass can... blaster! <laughs> Blast your own damn ass! All right. Taylor Lautner is an American actor and model who is best known for his role as Jacob Black in the Stephanie Meyer series, Twilight. He was born on February 14th. Oh. That's how that sentence should end. (laughs) (laughs) So smooth. (laughs) Right, said Fred! (laughs) Mead Roberts, a prolific screen and TV writer who collaborated with Tennessee Williams, among others, Died on February 10th of congestive heart failure. Uh, Very prolific, but like almost nothing recognizable in her whole catalog. Nothing that has standed the standard. Nothing nothing that has stood the test of time. I don't know. The 1976 classic, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, was. Right? (laughs) What the hell? Oh. I think Queen covered that. Yeah, you can hear more about that if you listen to Tales from the Hard Side. <laughs> and there it goes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this might be like the, the lamest form of protest I've ever <laughs> like, I'm going to go reversal and I'm going to advertise as protest. <laughs> Uh, Florence Tarlow was a character actress known for roles in Arthur, The Panic in Needle Park, and Where's Papa? She died on February 10th in New York City from cancer. Wow. In, in Arthur, um, <clears throat> if you guys are familiar with the movie, remember the scene um, when he go when Arthur is drunk and he goes to the wrong apartment complex looking for Linda? That was the entire movie, wasn't it? And, and the old lady is screaming at him, and she's like, my husband has a gun! For all I know, you sh- he shot it off as you're screaming at me. <laughs> Mrs. Nesbitt. But that was her. Yeah, Mrs. Nesbitt, that was her. All right. Was that your Dudley Moore impersonation? Uh, nah. No. That sounded just like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 yeah. TV! 
Alfred <laughs> Thomas Freddie Highmore was born February 14th. He's an English actor who made his acting debut in Women Talking Dirty and has since starred in Finding Neverland, The Spiderwick Chronicles, and the acronym of the week, which is C-A-T-C-F. Which is Cthulhu at the Cockfight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I don't even want to give you the real name, because I want it to be that. No, that's Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah, he was the uh, the grandpa, wasn't he? No, he was Charlie. No, I think he was uh, Mike TV. Ah. No, he was Charlie. No, he wasn't. Was he actually Charlie? He was the lead? Yes, Freddie Highmore. No, he was okay. the grandpa. I, I, did, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't remember him specifically as Charlie, so... Lazy-ass grandpa laying in bed. I can't do a goddamn thing for the place. Yeah. Until I, mean, we, I know we did that movie, and I don't specifically remember him if you keep reading though you would have figured it out because he's not playing norman bates in bates motel what yeah wouldn't be starring as norman bates i have an unhealthy obsession and hatred for the grandpa from charlie and the chocolate factory i'm that's an entirely reasonable reaction to that character yeah with the the coke nails yeah (laughs) grandpa coke nails and grandma suitcase Laying there in bed. Everything's fine. You get free chocolate. Now you're up and dancing around, huh, asshole? What, anyway, so... Often uh, Joe cast or something? Since 2013, Highmore has starred as Norman Bates in the series Bates Motel, for which he was twice nominated for the Critics' Choice Television Award for Best Actor in a Drama Series. In 2017, he won a People's Choice Award. Was that creepy? Yeah. A little bit. Alex Haley, the author of the first hugely popular miniseries, Roots... Died on February 10th, was survived by Kunta Kinte. On February 15th, the 100th episode of Cop airs, starring Kunta Kinte. <laughs> and and it is, that, that, that marks the 67th wife beater <laughs> being on Cops in the 100th episode. Oh, I highly doubt that. There's at least four or five on every episode. <laughs> Sometimes they're just not wearing shirts at all, Mike. That's true. That's true. They just have that tan that makes it look like they're wearing a shirt. <laughs> It'd be called a farmer's tan if they ever farmed, but they don't. Don't you blur out my face. I want my grandma to see it. <laughs> Just I don't know why I turned into L, Pat. I'm not with any of them women anymore. <laughs> I turned into L. Apparently I was on cops. <laughs> okay, moving on to sports. On February 9th at the 42nd annual NBA All-Star Game, mm-hmm. the West beats the East 153-113 to 113 in Orlando. You don't say. The game's MVP was Magic Johnson, who was playing in his last All-Star game, and as it turns out, last game ever, he retired after the game. He ma- after making a controversial return to the NBA following a forced retirement due to being diagnosed HIV positive in 1991. The game is widely regarded as the best All-Star lineup ever, as it had 11 of the 12 Dream Team members between both teams. That you is guys insane. know what the Dream Team is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, was that the first Olympic... A uh, team that had professional basketball players on it? Yeah, yeah, the one that had Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, David Robinson. Well, the rest Michael of the countries Keaton. were just and eager to Charles get the ball. Michael Jordan, and yeah, the, the other countries were getting beaten by like 80 points to 100 points. But they didn't care. There was one there was one point where Charles Barkley talks about how he was posting a guy up, and he just happens to look back, and he notices that the guy is smiling because his buddy is sitting on the bench taking a picture of Charles Barkley posting him up. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> uh, have any of you guys ever met Magic Johnson? No. I have not, no. I, I got to meet him when they, because he, he does stuff with Starbucks and like opening stores and inner city locations. When you think that, you think the guy is big, he's bigger. Right. He is and Just imagine, huge. he's not anywhere near one of the biggest guys ever to play basketball. I got to shake his hand and I thought I was momentarily afraid for my hand. Yeah. And just imagine, there are guys in the NBA that honestly make him look like an average-sized person. Like Yao Ming? Isn't he bigger? Yao Ming is one of the biggest people that ever played the game, yeah. And he's 6'9". Yeah, no Yao, Ming, Yao Ming is 7'6". Jesus Christ. Right? What the hell? All right. Yeah, Yao Ming, I was, at, I was at a bar in Houston once, and they had on, um, it was a big fundraiser uh, charity poker tournament thing, and they had a bicycle uh, that had been custom-made for Yao Ming there just on display, and it came up to my nipples. The, the, the seat was, like, right at my nipples. Like, oh, in, my God. In defense of this bike, you do have inordinately low nipples. <laughs> Did you rub them against them, Pat? Did you rub them? 
We, I mean, coming seriously, we thought you had like three belly buttons the first time we talked to you. Shut up. That is untrue. Portland beer club pot. (laughs) Mostly untrue. Damn it. (laughs) I was just waiting for a quiet moment to just say (laughs) Portland beer club podcast. (laughs) I ampled it. (laughs) On February 14th, Merlene Adi runs a world record 60 meter indoor in 6.96 seconds, which is crazy. Da, 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 da. That's it. I got no, no, nothing else in sports. Yeah. I, I'm so bad at like judging distances. I, I have no idea what how long 60 meters is. 60 meters, uh, what is it, like 80, 85 feet, something like that? He's not going to know that either. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you get to like car lengths, like something where I could actually visualize it. Because once you get past like 10 to 20. Uh, let me see. Hold on. 60. 60. 60. You only get one. 60 meters, two feet. Okay, my phone, it's, my phone it's just about, died. Okay, so here we go. It's fuck, about, Josh. Fuck me in the goat ass. My phone died right in the middle of that. 60 meters is roughly eight and a half Magic Johnsons. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, apparently, it's three quarters of a city block. So That I got. In seven seconds. In seven seconds. Okay, that I got. That's impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, that is. All right, so there you go. This weekend. My pants. Ass blasters! <laughs> Gonna get a lot of mileage out of that. All right, let's break. We're one step away from a morning talk show. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about Wayne's World. Party, Party time. Excellent. <laughs> Damn it, we were just going to leave him out there. I know, you fucker. <laughs> Right after we talk about dating baggage. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're. I wasn't planning on making that a thing, but then someone called it out. Now he must. All right, so Wayne's World came out 1993. Two. Two. 92. Uh, directed by Penelope Spheris, who's known for movies such as The Beverly Hillbillies, The Little Rascal. Rascals. That was the sequel to Little Rascal. The, first, <laughs> the Little first. Rascal was about one of those uh, scooters for yeah. mobility. <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> the Little Rascal. And the about thing. About no beast in- midget that needed to be around Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> the thing in Bob's garage. Also about a little midget. <laughs> Didn't she do the decline of Western civilization? Yes, part she did. one, two, and, and three. Yes, yeah, she did the decline of the Amer- oh that, and uh, did that immediately before this one. That's kind of why they picked her. So this stars Mike Myers as one Wayne Campbell, Dana Carvey as Garth Elgar, Rob Lowe as Benjamin Oliver, Tia Carrera as Cassandra, Brian Doyle Murray as Noah Vanderhoff, Laura Flynn Boyle as Stacy, and Donna Dixon as the Dream Woman. There are a bunch of other cameos in this movie. I remember this being one of the first movies that had a ton of cameos in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was uh, almost like a, um, uh, whatchamacallit, a, uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, Jackson Pollock painting. Yes, it was almost like a Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> and yeah, a conversation with the Kissingers. And a plate. Or, or it's like being in Mel's diner. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's almost like a, uh, Cannonball Run. Oh yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because we've got that might have been the well, no, Mad, Mad, Mad World. No, that I don't know. Those are more like ensembles than right. I remember. Well, I don't know. Right. There were a lot of cameos in Cannonball Run. I mean, just people that they met along the way. So yeah, but that was just like like one of those all the all the bang for all the money movies. You know. Yeah. Well, this one uh, contains a one Chris Farley, very young Chris Farley, uh, Meatloaf, not young. Made me sad. Yeah, it did make not me meatloaf, sad. No. Well, I mean, sometimes Milos makes me sad. Uh, Robert Patrick. <laughs> uh, and, Ed uh, O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Yeah, Ed O'Neill was fantastic. He's one of my favorite. You know, for, for his, every time Ed O'Neill has a scene, it's hilarious in this one. No, considering it may not come up again since you mentioned Robert Patrick, I will say that that was like the most dated scene in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. But you remember when you saw it in the theater or it was really video? Funny. Yeah. And you're like, it makes me feel kind of funny, like when I climb the roof in gym class. 
That's the thing. This is one of the most quotable movies ever. I mean, because like how many after this, and when anybody would say, hey, you want to go do this? Excellent. Yeah, I mean, there, there's actually was a couple of times I heard a line. I'm like, man, I didn't really realize that originated in this movie. Swing. Party on, Garth. I do that one. Party on, Wayne. Okay, so, if. so some tri- uh, trivia on this. The movie was shot in 34 days, which is pretty impressive. The uh, Dan- the Dana Carvey. Um, D- Dana Carvey did his own drum playing for the music shop scene. Nice. Which I was, when when we watched that, I was actually, con- that was one of the questions I had, whether or not he actually did that. So good on you, Dana. Yeah, he's a, he's a very accomplished musician. Musician. <laughs> so uh, when Wayne and Garth are on the hood of the car watching airplanes fly over, Garth asks Wayne if he's ever thought Bugs Bunny was attractive when he dresses up as a girl bunny. Uh, the comment was actually an ad lib by Dana Carvey and made while they were waiting for the plane to come to the scene, and Mike Myers' laugh was actually out of character. <laughs> nice. So that it was, the thing was that was a last. It did seem to be a very genuine laugh. Yeah. So it re- makes- well, part of it was that was actually the last scene that they shot for the entire movie, and by that point they're like, "Fuck it, ad lib it." And then Garth asked, and you know, Dana Carvey pulls that one out and totally sideswiped Mike Myers. He was not expecting that question, so that's why he had such a realistic laugh. Hmm. Now, uh, how many of you noticed that when he's told not to play Stairway to Heaven, he is not playing Stairway to Heaven? Oh, I did, I did not notice that. I've yes. always wondered why. Was it a licensing thing? It is a licensing thing, and but the thing is, in the movie itself, when it was the theatrical release, he did play Stairway to Heaven. Uh, the guitar riff was changed for the international cable and videotape releases to a generic riff because of disputes on obtaining rights for the first five notes of the song, and they only appear in the theatrical release. Huh. They I know. should have changed it to Freebird. Well, that's the thing. Is like There's a uh, secondhand music shop out here by me, and they have a no, no stairway sign hanging up in the amongst the guitars, which I think is pretty funny. That's awesome. And believe it or not, that's Tia Carrera's real voice. Yeah, she actually, that, yeah. yeah, she she uh, got signed for a little while and, and did some music. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in fact, uh, Ballroom Blitz was uh, on the soundtrack album. But does she actually play the bass, though? That was the that's thing I didn't question. believe. That was like the most unbelievable thing about a lead singer and bass player. Because everyone Paul knows McCartney. bass players just stand in the back. Paul McCartney said <sighs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, he's he's the the one that they always point to. I know. I was actually pointing at Joel because Joel's the, the most. I, I know, but I'm saying the most famous bass player in the world, mm-hmm. Paul yep. McCartney. Yeah. Uh there you go. What about Jakob Pistorius? Oh, I stand corrected. It's Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Pat. I give you credit. <laughs> so, do you guys you remember you going to see this in the theater? I did. Oh yeah. Do. Yep. Where'd you I remember we got there a little late, uh, and ended up having to sit in like the, all the way to the left in the nosebleed crank your neck up seats. Mm. Yuck. Oh yeah. But I mean, you already pay for your tickets and it's Wayne's world. So <sighs> you just deal. Yeah. I saw it at the, uh, we actually talked about this here, the Ogden, not Ogden six, the Tivoli in Downers Grove. And it was almost, uh, it was almost like what, like going to Rocky Horror Picture Show because once it hit the Tivoli, it had been out for a while. So when I saw it, people were clapping along to the Clapper commercial at the very beginning, <laughs> and they were there was like almost responding, like when the when uh, Bohemian Rhapsody kicked in. Uh, I don't know if how many of you have actually been to the the Tivoli. Me, raise his yeah. hand. Okay. I've only been there once when you uh, had a bunch of us out to go see it. Okay. Something there. Yeah, yeah, you can maybe go there a okay. couple times. I think I saw Starship Troopers and Jerry Maguire there, both. Yeah, it's actually pretty big. But it was like when Bohemian Rhapsody went off, the whole theater was headbanging to it. I mean, it was like, it's almost like a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show thing. Cause there was just, it started that interaction between, uh, people on the, in the theater and people on the screen. So. Well, and he was breaking the fourth wall. And I remember when I went, it was, it was, it was like an event. He will be mine. Oh yes, yeah, and we were I, I, go ahead. Sorry. We were talking about Queen before the show, and I knew who Queen was before this, but I don't really think I was a fan until I got the single for uh, 
uh, for Bohemian Rhapsody because of Wayne's World and ended up listening to that in the B-side, which was The Show Must Go On. And between those two songs, I was just like, yeah, I need to buy all of the albums now. Yeah. Yeah, this song really did a revitalization of of the career of Queen as a band. Yeah. They they hit the top they hit the top 40 again for the first time in forever. It's, you know, some of their old songs. Yep. And all over the world, kids went to their parents, "Have you heard of this band?" <laughs> and then there's this other guy, he makes a guitar talk. <laughs> oh no. Peter Frampton? <laughs> He's actually coming to Aurora. So, uh, yeah, one of the things about this is that that re- reason we decided to do it is because this is the 25th anniversary of this movie. And I had not realized how – I mean, I I, re- I knew it was coming up. It was like one of those, oh, wow, it's pretty old. You know, I saw it in the newspaper. But I forgot that I lived in Aurora area, North Aurora. <laughs> Fuck you, Joel. Um, oh. But there's – like I said earlier, there's a Stan Makita statue up. They're, uh, they're doing a uh, – a lookalike contest, and actually, a friend of mine, uh, Noah Giblin, who great musician by the way, and his band's name is Noah's Arcade, and he is the headliner for the concerts out there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's fantastic. I mean, this they're the you know they've got a Bruin view over at the Two Brothers Brewery. I mean, Aurora is jumping feet first into this all the way until Fourth of July, where they're going to be doing the world's largest headbanging. Uh, to Behom- Bohemian Rhapsody, and Guinness Book of World Records is going to be there. Bohemoth Rhapsody. Bohemoth. Um, well, and then we mentioned it briefly in the closing of last week, but when we were going to college, we were, what, like 20 minutes away from the stack of cars? The car kebab. Yeah, yep. the needle. We could drive by it whenever we wanted to. We worked right across from it. Yeah, we did. You guys did, yeah, yeah. when you uh, were eating a lot of mashed potatoes. Yeah. At the where we worked at the restaurant connected to the mall, where you could sell anything if you had the word jiggy on it. Wait, what? You can't do that anymore, right? Can't do that on television. What? I, what am I going to do with all my jiggy pants? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, but, anyway, but yeah, yes. that's that's part of it is that the uh, the driving around in the very beginning, um, watching it, it's like I think they drive through five corners in Chicago. Twice, two, three times, the very beginning of it. So there's like a, and they also drive around like four hours worth the, you know, worth the driving, but they do it in like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. they they pass through Cicero, they pass through North Riverside. Yeah, and they do go through Aurora. I mean, there isn't there is Aurora in there, but um, but I don't think the the movie outside of those scenes was really filmed in filmed in well, not in Aurora anyway, but no, oh God, no, it was in California. I'm sure. Yeah. Though it does look like, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but was that, does Wayne not live in the Back to the Future house? Right, it did look very similar. I would think that if it was that exact house, it would have been in the trivia, like top of the trivia. Yeah. We need to look that up. Yeah, we gotta All right. we'll, wait, we'll wait here while Joel looks that up. Go look that up, Joel. What you didn't know about Back to the Future homes. Wow. I didn't realize oh. that. That's a web page. You know what? Yes. While we're while we're waiting, we should listen to Minton Boxcast. <laughs> <laughs> Beat me to it. Uh, now, now you got to stop doing it. Now it's establishment. <laughs> so, so Pat, what like you- when your dad starts saying jiggy. Nice. All right. So, Pat, when did when did you see it? I saw it in the theater at Hillside uh, with with the Galuli. <laughs> There's a galooly at the door. Okay. Did you still, everybody still like it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it from the beginning. I've always, I've, I've always liked it, and I was kind of afraid to watch it again. I hadn't seen it in probably a good 10 years or so. And it was a little bit dated, but for the most part, I, I still really enjoyed it. It's like, I don't think I liked it any less, but as the years went on, I became a little bit more embarrassed that I still liked it as much or almost as much. Why would you be embarrassed? It's like a cult classic. Well, not cult classic. It's just like a classic. I don't know. I mean, it it has, some of it is a little cringy now, but I still love it. No, I agree with you on that. I mean, and, and we went out, I rented it. I rented it. I got it from the library and... 
again, same, talking to the girls, I'm like, all right, we're watching Wayne's World tonight. It's going to be fantastic. This movie's fantastic. And I'm like, I really hope it is. <laughs> and you know what? I think it holds up. I mean, it is a little dated. There are some, there are some, uh, portions where you're like, uh, you know, wow, that, that was a thing. But in the same time, it's, <sighs> Mike Myers as Wayne Campbell is quite possibly his best character, I think. Hmm. So it's not just a clever to, name. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what was cringy about it, though. I don't know. The, like the music? No, I mean, are? just uh, some of the comedy by modern standards feels a little forced. Not all of it. Some of the character work is good. A lot of uh, Dana Carvey's cut-ins are uh, super funny. Actually, his physical comedy in this uh, aged a little more poorly than the stuff he was saying is Garth. Yeah. The, ow. Yeah. And the, like the, the, even the Foxy scene was just, it's like, okay, that was a little too much. I yeah. still love it. But if you're looking for an example of something that doesn't work as well now as it did the first time I saw it, that's going to be one of the first places I go. Yeah. Well, see, I own the two movie set. I bought it years and years ago and I've seen it countless times. And this is one of those that just, it kind of earmarks a certain part of my life. So I guess I I didn't see it that way when I rewatched it. I I enjoyed it just as much. Um, I maybe caught a couple things that I hadn't before, but well, um, some something that I had caught was in the very beginning when they're singing Bohemian Rhapsody that Garth doesn't know the words, and he's just moving his mouth to the uh, he's moving his mouth to the rhythm of the music. Yeah, that actually was a thing. Is that um, Dana Carvey didn't know the words. So he was like, just, he was literally doing that himself, just kind of like mouth and like what he thought should be the thing. And they caught it on video and they caught it and they put it on there. So it was like, cause it was damn funny. <laughs> well, um, what was I just going to say? Dad burned it. Moving on. Patrick. Come back to me. Favorite scene. We seem to have lost Patrick. Yeah, I knew that. I, I didn't expect you to throw directly to him. Yeah. Well, I figured he hasn't spoken in a while. It was going to be nice, but Josh, favorite scene. Um, I sometimes, wow, that's an excellent question. Um, excellent. excellent. Nice. I, I love the, the whole car scene where they're just playing uh, hockey in the driveway and uh, you have Lara Flynn Boyle, uh, who just oh, pitches yeah. over the hood of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Game on car. See, and that's the, my, I think honestly, my favorite scene oh. of the movie has got to be when they're talking about how they don't take any sponsorships. And they're talking about not selling out. It gives yeah, me such a, a headache. That's a great. It's such a headache. You try some of this little yellow, different. <laughs> oh yeah, the product placement. The scene? product placement scene is fantastic. It's like oh yeah, people only do stuff because they get paid. You know. Well, I like the uh, the scene with the the cue cards when Noah's on the show for the first time. And the, you know, the he blows goats and. Oh yeah. This man has no penis. Right. I've, I have proof. Um, what I was going to say earlier was one of the things I, I noticed in this round that I had never thought of before is that they, they keep talking about, you know, party on Wayne, party on Garth, and they're supposed to be these big time partiers, but yet only one of their group is ever really Drunk. wasted. And he's always or wasted. Drinking. Yeah. Right. Oh, I have to change my vote, by the way. Uh oh. Favorite scene has got to be uh, Alice Cooper and the Milwaukee history lesson. Oh yeah, that, and you know you know what's great about that is when we were uh, when we we're watching it, it was one of those where it kicks in and uh, Katie was when it starts up, she just kind of looks at me and she's like, "What's going on?" Like, no, it's you know, it's Alice Cooper. He's giving you a history lesson about the origins of Milwaukee. Apparently, uh, also in the trivia. Milwaukee is I mean, Milwaukee. Uh, Alice Cooper is a huge uh, history buff too. So, and an avid golfer. That's true. So, um, so we lost Pat. We lost Pat. I know Aww. he's coming back I, for some reason. He only told me, and then you guys immediately threw to him. <laughs> I didn't. <do> anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna go on as though nothing had happened. Nothing to see here. Moving on. All right. <clears throat> Well, I'm going to pause it real quick. All right, Pat, what was your favorite scene, man? Well, unlike you guys, I mean, I'm going to have to go uh, with something a little different. Uh, I, I think the cue card scene might be pretty close 
two, uh, my favorite. I, I like that one a lot. And I would have to go the opposite direction and say that, uh, the, the, um, the ones, what was it, what was the one scene? Um, you said there were two other ones, somebody that you guys mentioned. Uh, the product placement. The product placement was funny. What was the other one? Uh, Alice Cooper's history. Oh, yeah, the Alice Cooper one. Yeah. I found that scene to be actually kind of watching it this time. It, it just seemed kind of forced and not as funny. I was like, I remember seeing the first time I saw it, it was really funny, but this time it just seemed kind of. Well, like I said, kind of forced. The dialogue just didn't, you know, it was well, funny, but it didn't flow naturally. You know what I mean? I guess it's just probably because Alice Cooper is not a very good actor. Here's part of it, is that uh, Alice Cooper, when he came on, he was not expecting to actually have a speaking part. He, <laughs> he was expecting to have, like, a, he was expecting a cameo. Yeah, just do his, you know, this is me on stage. Yeah, to do Feed My Frankenstein and then have a cameo line. And it, and he wound up having like an entire scene. So he memorized all those lines like right after he got there. Okay, that makes a little more sense then. Okay. Cause, cause I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of his reality show and I know he's an intelligent guy. So it just seemed kind of weird that he, you know, did such a, had such a wooden performance, but. Well, and I think that was part of it. Like, if you don't know him well, there's the disconnect between a rocker and all of a sudden he's talking like a college professor. Right, exactly. That's the joke. Yeah, but like you said, if you don't know that already about him, yeah. So, I don't know. But anyway, as far as uh, as far as far my favorite scene, I would probably have to pick, honestly, uh, Cassandra's first scene when they walk into the, the bar and they see her and she's up there uh, doing ballroom blitz and... It's just, I mean, it's just such a good introduction to, you know, her character, the, the, this powerful, sexy, you know, band leader woman, you know, mm-hmm. and her, and it's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a good scene. It's just, not, it's not like a good, it's, it's, it's an actual good cinematic scene in a comedy movie. One, one of the other things I like about that exchange afterwards, after she gets off stage and uh, when Wayne goes, tough night, everybody's kung fu fighting. And then he looks and he does that <laughs> cringe look. Yeah, I mean that that whole that whole bar scene honestly is what is fantastic too. And we've but it's, all been it's there. such a good a good introduction to a character, and it just firmly establishes you know who she is. She's mm-hmm. yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the other. I mean, the Oscar 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 scene. Yeah, and the yeah. worst part about it is I never learned if, to if read. If I had to pick my favorite comedy scene, that, that would probably be it. <laughs> I never learned to read. And how many times have we all said that since then? <laughs> Right? Is that true? Well, yeah, all except for the reading part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that is, like I said before, it's one of those, you didn't realize how quotable this movie is. Right. So, like, I, you know, I, I just, watching it again, I realized just how much I actually do just randomly quote this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to do, man. Yeah. But it's good stuff, too. I mean, it's, and some of the other trivia is that, like, uh, one, one of the trivia in, on uh, IMDb says that um, Mike Myers was was initially going to do this as a solo act and resented Dana Carvey coming in because it was apparently he came up with Wayne Campbell at uh, Second City, which is untrue because in the extras, uh, I watched the, the interviews afterwards, Mike Myers says he came up with Wayne Campbell when he was like 11 years old. And he would like do it at family parties and that sort of thing. And Dana Carvey is based off his brother, who was really who who talked that weird cadence and really was good with tools. Like the- anytime anybody hands me a small cup of any kind, I always say to somebody, he's "Like if you're gonna spew, spew in this." Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's fantastic. But yeah, the um, I mean, I honestly am ex- I'm happy that it held up as good as it did for what I was watching. Yeah, there were very few scenes that I felt either dated or cringy. I agree with Pat. That was the thing is even nitpicking it. And there were a few things is like, okay, yeah, this is a movie that's 25 years old in a time where movies from that era tend to not age very well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't even own a gun, much less many guns to assist a gun wreck. Trivia uh, behind that one. Ready for this? Is that is actually based off of his interaction with an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> That's that, funny. And she, uh, uh, he broke up with a girl, and she tried to get back with him because she knew he was a comedian and bought him a gun rack because l- exactly the, that fact, he had no guns. 
<laughs> so she thought it would be like, all right, he's a comedian. It'll be funny if I get him a gun rack because he has no guns. You know, how funny is that? Well, he didn't think it was funny and wrote that into the scene, wrote that into the movie. And apparently when you once dated Mike Myers and you see her ex-boyfriend's movie show up, you're like, oh, maybe I should go see that. And she apparently was not happy with being declared a psycho hose beast. <laughs> No. None of them ever are. And know. well, and th- the thing is, is that he actually found her and apologized for calling her a psycho hose beast in the movie. So. Oh, but I love Laura Flynn Boyle. And she looked good in this movie too. She did. I had such a crush on her. Yeah, yeah she- don't don't look at a picture of her now. No, I won't yet. I mean, ob- obviously, there is more to any number of actresses than their looks. But the plastic surgery went really, really bad. That's my fetish. No, it's not. Yeah, she used to be, like, in Threesome Era. Oh, yeah. Well, and she got kind of a reputation for being very, very difficult to work with from co-stars and whatnot. It's a gift for dating Jack Nicholson, I guess. Yeah, and she is one of the people that will not be back for the Twin Peaks relaunch oh, this year. Oh, God. What? She has gills. She has gills what? She has gills now. Who's Gills now? Whoever's attached to her face. (laughs) (laughs) Why would she do that? That's, oh, Josh. Yeah, no, it was almost certainly a following plastic surgery trends plus anti-aging techniques just gone horribly wrong. Oh. Why did I look? Why did I look? Because I said Gills. You told me not to look and I looked. I did. No. Oh, my gosh. Lord so, what did you do shall, shall we take a break now? I'm going to cry. That's We'd better. Excellent. Give, give Joel time to recover. So go. I will I'm never go. recover. Go then. I am. I'm gone. So go. All right. We are back. To talk about the best pairing that we could possibly think of since they stopped making good Saturday Night Live movies. And it strangely worked. It did. It's the greatest second half in the world. (laughs) But this is not the greatest second half in the world. Well, it's just a tribute. It's a tribute. (laughs) Thank you. I was just going to say that. (laughs) All right. So this is Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny from 2006. Two of the greatest, to become the greatest band of all time, two slacker wannabe rockers set out on a quest to steal a legendary guitar pick that gives its holders incredible skills from a maximum security rock and roll museum. Uh, directed by Liam Lynch, who's done a lot of comedy shorts and videos for Tenacious like D. Stand up stuff, also yeah. like Sarah Silverman. Yeah, and uh, this style stars Jack Black and Kyle Gass and a whole bunch of cameos, just like in the uh, the previous one, just like in Wayne's World. Um, again, Meatloaf, among others. But, uh, yeah, huh? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <some> <laughs> he just turned it yeah. into yeah. for a second. So Jack Black said that he vowed... I feel good. To never write another script again because the box office failure that this film actually made him lose his confidence. And some cash, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. He'll come back someday to write something. To write. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Something. Oh, some- yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll come back. Uh, until this film, Meatloaf had not sang in a movie since the Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975. Huh. Because he wanted to be accepted in the industry as a serious actor with man boobs. Uh, they're called moobs, sir. Moobs. Their name is Robert Paulson. <laughs> uh, he even thought that... That was a- your takeaway from Fight Club? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move past. Mine or Joel's? I was just going with the meatloaf thing. <laughs> he knows better than it was mine. All right. Even though his appearance in The Pick and Destiny, he thought it would ruin him. But he took the role of JB's father anyway, which... I think it was fantastic. And how's it going to ruin him? He already had a pretty good career at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, he's he was in, um, what was that Steve Martin movie where he played the, uh, Steve Martin played the preacher? 
Oh, uh, Leap of Faith. Leap of Faith. He was his driver in Leap of Faith. He was in, he was yep. in Spice World. I was going to say, he was the bus driver in Spice World, and this is the one he was worried about ruining his career. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, the animation in the beginning was done by John Criscofalusi. I know that may not be how you say that, but there's a lot of messed up uh, letters in there. So but, I'm just going to say... I didn't really care for that opening. No. But Ren and Stimpy... Yeah, that which this wasn't. Oh, is that what that was? It oh, was, see, it, I, I, I don't watch Ren and Stimpy. No, but that's John. That's what John Falsley is famous for. Yeah, that's. But this wasn't Ren and Stimpy, so that's no. probably why it wasn't funny. All right. Boiled football leather. I'm just gonna put this out now. Yeah, you didn't like this movie. I could tell. Did, by I, yeah, I I remember enjoying it at one point or another, and then apparently I was wrong and remembering somebody you've been, else. You've been dripping with this stain the entire time you're reading the trivia. Yeah, I just did not. I mean, okay, it had a great, a lot of great cameos. Amy Poehler as a truck stop waitress. Awesome. He yeah. looks so crazy young, man. It was just oh, funny. Tim Robbins as a stranger. Dave Grohl as Satan. Ben Stiller was fantastic as a guitar center guy. But I think this is one of those weird moments where the main stars are overcast by the, all the cameos. I think Kristen Wiig was in a bar, too. Well, and even like the tiny cameos are guys who would go on to do great things. I was constantly like, oh my God, that's Jason Siegel. Oh my God, that's Amy Adams. Yeah. <laughs> oh and my that, God, that's Fred Armisen. Right? Yeah. Oh my God, that's uh, Simone Turkington. Uh, Sasquatch, John C. Riley. Yes. Oh, yep. And Canfield. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's, I mean, there were so many cameos in this. It's, you know, and, but I think like, like in the uh, the cafe scene when they're at the half half stop cafe, which again trivia, the half stop cafe, half stop, is that what's called? I don't remember. A half stop, whatever the cafe they stopped, it was like half something or other. It was literally halfway through the movie when they got there. Um, you know, I just thought like the entire cast between Tim Robbins and Amy Poehler in there, they were just they were overshadowed by those two. I mean, Amy Poehler. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, there's a core conceit with the pick of destiny that you've got these middle-aged kind of pudgy guys that have represented themselves through their first album as the greatest rock band in the world. And they commit to it. You can't make a movie when that's your concept and half-ass it. And I think they went into it all the way. Oh yeah. Jack Black never half-asses anything. I mean, if, if, if you're going to have a criticism of Jack Black, which I understand, it's never going to be that he, you know, he, he phoned it in. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, I remember I've seen this, but I mean, I saw it when it first came out and I remember enjoying it a lot more. You know, I don't want to say that I have disdain for the movie, but I'm just confused of why, when this came out in 2006, why I'm not enjoying it as much as I did, as I, as I did when I watched a movie that was 25 years old. You got an answer for that, Pat? I'm thinking you and your I've, words. <laughs> I've never seen this before, which blows my mind. This was my first takeaway. I mean, well, first time I'd seen it and having uh, Matt Brown, this is like one of his favorite things, you know, Jack Black and, and Tenacious D. So it was a big part of my life, the music and, and the D but uh, yeah, I never, never saw it. Never really had a super big interest in it. And um, it's kind of what I expected, but it it was just okay. I I also am a, I'm I'm actually I'm going to disc- disclaimer this with you know I am a big fan of uh, Tenacious D. I have all their you know DVDs and and CDs and stuff. I like them a lot. This movie, um, it, it basically it it suffers from uh from having plot points shoved together as inorganically as possible. They're like they know what they know what they want to do. They know how they want to you know how they want to tell the story, but they don't know how to get to the points where it flows. They just kind of like okay, well we need this scene, so let's just do this. Okay, now we ha- need this scene, so let's just do this. It's like it's like a bunch of vignettes that a, a, a plot line is kind of threaded through. I, I find it difficult to disagree with that. It sounds like I actually enjoy this movie more than any of the rest of you. I thought it held up better, but I will concede that it is 40 to 50 minutes of good stuff stretched out over 94 minutes. 
Which is exactly why it's a perfect counterpart to an, an SNL movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, um, Tenacious D, they have a, a, a DVD set of just, it's nothing but like concert footage and different skits and different stuff. And they had a show for a while they, uh, that they did, and it's all their different shows as well. It's a big, like it's like five or six uh, DVD set. And that's what they're good at, is like the little vignette storyline, 10 minute, 15 minute, whatever, that go around their songs they do like a little music videos that are like, you know, story before, sing the song during it. That you could, you know, a lot of their songs are storytelling and they do things, you know, to move the story along during the song. And then they end it with more skit. And mm-hmm. it, that's kind of what their niche is. And that's kind of like I said, that's what this movie is. It's a bunch of their little vignettes and they just kind of build this little plot around the pick, the pick of destiny to, to make a movie out of it. And that's why it's not as good as Wayne's World because Wayne's World at least had—I uh, mean, it had a, a, a screenwriter that wrote a movie, not not just a bunch of vignettes with a plot through it. True, that's fair. I don't know. I think part of the reason why it held up so well for me is because I was so convinced it wasn't going to, especially considering that uh, I had learned between the time I first saw this and this time that Kyle Gass is kind of a great A shithead. <laughs> Yeah, I think fame has gotten to his head a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there was an ex-girlfriend of his that popped up uh, on Reddit on an account that they used to share that uh, she still had the password for. And she she kind of told all about what he really was like after uh, Tenacious D became successful. Yeah. So, you going to fill us in on that at all? or? I mean, it should be easy uh, enough. Yeah. I think she uh, came back as like Mrs. Gas or something, you and, did. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, she she uh, went into detail about how he was kind of emotionally abusive uh, after they broke up. He, uh, he treated her very, very badly. Oh shit, that's all right. Well, I'm done with that then. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I like I said, I'm a fan of of Tenacious D. I I I like their their music and their comedy stuff. This is probably. If I had to pick, this is probably my least favorite of, of their stuff, minus the stuff that I just absolutely hate, like don't listen to, skip past, or whatever. You know, I would watch this again. I, so I don't hate it, but I, you know, it's definitely what I, I, I would consider the weakest of their good material. Okay, hey, Pat. Yes, I can't make it for you, but I'll order it from Zanzibar. <laughs> <laughs> my kielbasa sausage has to perform I, that's i've done that song in karaoke i love that song <laughs> yeah i i don't know I, I like i said my expectations must have been super low because i expected this to be such a disappointment that i was actually like yeah this is as good if not better than i remember it I mean, there's 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 some funny stuff in there i mean it's not all real good but i mean there's some funny stuff in there Cal Gass I mean, with the fucking long hair wig at the beginning <laughs> yeah. fucking kills me. And the walk he had when he was just so cocky. Like. The Kyle Gass I mean, project. <laughs> I didn't mind it. You know, it's not like I, I regret seeing it. It just, I guess I was expecting something different. I mean, and I'm not sure what that even was. It just, uh, I, it just felt kind of, yeah, like at force, like it was just it, kind it of shoved together. Is right. Is the word you're looking for? Yeah. Possibly. I mean, it was just a, like a series of, it's like, it didn't know whether it wanted to be a musical, it didn't know whether it wanted to be a, you know, a kind of a, an absurdist and, and, comedy, whether it wanted to be a straightforward kind of buddy picture. I, and there, just, there's, there's no room in this movie for any kind of, um, uh, delving into, you know, logic of it. Cause if you do that, like, why is the devil disguised as Paul Tompkins running an open mic just in the, in the off chance that these two random guys might find the, the pick of destiny? Right. Things like that, you know. I mean, they they just write the, they just wrote this movie to get the scenes out. Don't think about it too much. How the hell did they find their way all the way back to the uh, comedy club in the sewers? Right. You know, why didn't the guards keep chasing them while, you know, when, while they just stood there and talked about the caper they had just done, standing still on the grounds? <laughs> okay, I have to say that made me laugh. The the one the one good solid ra- laugh I got it unfortunately was not from Jack Black or Kyle Gass. I never shot a gun before. That's no. exciting. No, no, it was when Tim Robbins showed up as a stranger. Oh come, yeah, come over here and I shall cut you. No, catch me if you can. Yeah. Oh, the police. 
And, they, and, and the best, the funniest thing about that entire scene is that the cop doesn't even run up to him. He just kind of strolls up and grabs yep. him by the arm. <laughs> Curses! Oh. It's yeah, just. I mean, there's definitely some funny things in the movie, but it's just overall, it's just, it's, it's not a, it's not a well done movie, but it's, it's entertaining. It's fun. Well, I think it's worth seeing once. It is. Yeah. It is worth seeing once. And I think that's part of it is that like the Tim Rob, like the whole scene where they, where they stole the pick of destiny, the biggest laugh I got was from, like I said, from Fred Armiston and Ned Blamey when they're doing, the, oh, I've never shot a gun before. Oh, and, and Tim Robbins trying to, you know, come over here and I'll cut you, you know, that sort of thing. I laughed harder at those scenes, that portions of the scenes, than I did any interaction with Jack Black and Kyle Gass. I mean, Amy Poehler as a waitress was friggin' hilarious. I mean, she <laughs> just, the amount of disdain that she has for everybody in that scene was fantastic. <laughs> what happened to your eye? <laughs> and you know, you expect, to, expect that to go somewhere. No. Correct. So. No. There well, you yeah. What's funny is that, that it, it is an interesting composite to put up against Wayne's world because you got two leads. You got, they're, you know, trying to become something greater than they are. They're uh, facing off, like you said, against, uh, you know, somebody that's working against them. In this case, the devil. Um, there's music, there's rock. There's just a lot more swearing and, and there's uh, meatloaf. It's not quite as quotable. Yeah. Well, and to key into what you're saying there, Joel, it's also important to note that, uh, the Saturday Night Live skit, Saturday Night Live skit as a movie was not a thing until Wayne's World. So these are also both firsts of their kind where you take something that isn't known for a comedy film being translated into this new medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're known for comedy of a sort, but then, they both went into untested waters. And I think as much as I still enjoyed this more than it seems like you guys did, um, I even I'll say absolutely Wayne's world did it more successfully. I don't get me wrong. I did enjoy this because I do enjoy their stuff, but I said, it's the weakest of their good stuff. And my favorite line, by the way, I think in the entire movie was uh, Kyle's order at that diner where uh, Amy Poehler worked at (laughs) uh, fried chicken and a steak and a chicken fried steak. (laughs) I'll have a glass of carrot juice. We don't have that. Well, then have I, nothing. <laughs> and I, I, I do agree with you on the the thing with uh, what you said about Jack Black. He is all in, you know, on this. There's no. And I mean, there, that's if, just if you ever doubted Jack Black's commitment to a movie, watch Nacho Libre. Oh yeah, that movie is a pile of shit, and he commits <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's, but I enjoyed that more than this. Oh, that movie's uh, awful. See, that, that was the thing is I thought that was a bad concept that didn't benefit as much from being all in. Because on its surface, Tenacious D is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. These guys aren't rock gods. They look like us. They're solid musicians, but they're nothing great. You know, I mean, but the whole thing is that they will have none of that. They're right. not going to admit that they are middle aged and chubby. They are going to be the greatest rock band in the world. And so they're going to make a movie about being the greatest rock band in the world. And you can't not commit to that and have it work. Right. It's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The sex comes first. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it's, yeah, it, I, I wanted to, I wanted to like this more than it actually did. Same. But, but at the same time, I just had a hard time. Get, I had a harder time getting into this than I did with Wayne's World. Now, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I mean, is, was there like dated humor in to pick a destiny that I just didn't pick up on? Cause it's just not, it's not long enough ago to, for me to see a change. No, I don't think so. I mean, cause like most of the things they reference are, are musical icons that are not, they're kind of mm-hmm. timeless. Yeah. I don't think I didn't find this dated in particular. No. Okay. I mean, I was yeah. surprised to see it was 11 years ago. Oof. Right? Yeah. I, I, saw, I saw this one in the theater, and it, do, I, I, it it would have shocked, or it did shock me, when, like I said. Never mind. I already said that. Stop talking. Actually, thinking back on it, that doesn't shock me as much as it should, just because I, I remember being big into Tenacious D when I still ran the hobby shop in Oak Park, and that closed 11 years ago. Yeah. I used to listen to Tenacious D when I was closing Pete Miller's up in Evanston. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> What? 
<laughs> Thank I, you for your contribution, Joel. You're welcome. <laughs> That's Joel's verbal gif. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, do we have any more to say about the pick of destiny? No, I really don't. I got uh, I got nothing on anymore. So, what we got? Four thumbs up for Wayne's World, obviously. Yep, I'd say that's fair. I think we got what Joel, Josh, and I on the thumbs up for Pick of Destiny, and you two thumbs down. Is that uh, correct? Thumbs one, one semi quarter sideways. Thumb. Oh, fuck yeah. it. commit, Joel. Thumbs down. <laughs> Mike is full thumbs down. Joel is quarter thumb down. Thumb up my butt. I don't know. <laughs> one thumb up his butt. One thumb quarter down. Right. Yeah, that's how I like it. That's my fetish. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, All so, right, gentlemen, so what do we have on tap for next week? Next week, we've got Animal House versus Neighbors. Animal House. Yeah, we're kind of doing uh, comedy films back-to-back, but, yeah, looking at frat boy comedies and sorority comedy-ish. Now, we'll, we'll be back with that comparison next week. I know we've mm-hmm. all seen we've all seen Animal House, yes? Yes. How many of oh, us yeah. have seen Neighbors? I saw that in the theater with my mother. No. You are I actually right. haven't seen it. Amazingly good choices of movies that you take your mother to go see. <laughs> well, my mother has learned years of, of tolerance. <laughs> mm. Didn't you take her to go see The Wolf of Wall Street, too? I mean, was that? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was one of the ones I'm not proud of. <laughs> so if you have any suggestions on movies Pat should take his mother to, <laughs> give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Sorry, I just couldn't pass up that transition. Right? No, totally. I believe that fella was from outer space. (laughs) Behind the green door. For transitions like that, you need to check out Dating Baggage. (laughs) (laughs) All right, on that, we're out. Good night, everybody. Good night. Oh, uh, Mike, Mike challenged me to the game. Something's wrong. It won't display. So I'm just randomly clicking on a be- black box and I'm beating the hell out of Mike. I don't understand this at all. <laughs> I don't either, but it's hilarious. How the hell can you be? You're better at a game than I am and you haven't even seen it. <laughs> I almost don't want to fix whatever's wrong. God damn it. My turn. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.